So we're going to baptise you soon, mate, which we're really looking forward to. But your story of coming to faith, I've been really encouraged. I know we spent a bit of time together in the last 12 months, and a bit less than 12 months, but even during the week we spent a bit of time chatting. I'd love for you to share about that soon. Uh, but we were able to dig up a little bit of footage from you when you were a yep. kid. You're, yeah. a, bit, you're yeah. a bit busy when you're a younger, younger chap. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. we, we want people to be able to recognise you in this clip we've uh, been able to find. So from the Channel 10 archives, uh, we were able to pull, uh, get some footage from uh, a number of years ago. Uh, but all give a clue is that Western Bulldogs uh, was the, uh, the footy team that you supported uh, in this clip. Yeah. Yep. I don't I follow Richmond, but uh so but in this uh TV show was the doggies. Perfect. I'm pretty sure we got it ready to go. If not, we'll uh here we go. My name's Roger Thesaurus and I'm gonna tell you the story of my life. Well, not my whole life, just this bit of it. About my best friends mainly. My two best friends, Millicent. And how lucky are you that I discovered you? Pretty lucky, I guess. And Dusty. Is everyone listening? I'm the man! I'm the man! The trouble is, they're each other's worst friends. If you try any funny business up on stage, I'll cut you up and make doorstops out of you. Hey, Thesaurus, it must be science day. You brought a stick insect along. You've got to choose. It's him or me. Millicent says she could never be a friend with anyone who was a waste paper basket in a former life. Dusting says... If there was nothing in the world left except water, and Millicent had the only boat, he'd just keep on swimming. I hit something in your pocket. That's my mouth organ. Sorry. I am the Great Gilbert, smarter than the average teacher. Oh, hail the Great Gilbert! And good afternoon, Ziggy and Pedal. And good afternoon, especially Snowflake. Wow, hey. What was that show, mate? What were you doing in that show? And you're a star. Yeah, so um, I guess when I was a kid, I was lucky to, you know, my parents gave me the opportunity to, to explore acting and that sort of stuff. It was something I was into, so... That show itself was a kid's show called Worst Best Friends. It was on um, Channel 10. So I had uh, six months off school in, in grade six to, to film that Fantastic. series. And you're in a few other TV shows as well and a few other TV appearances. Yeah, I've had a few different guest roles in Blue Healers, Halifax and, um, and some you know, TV commercials as well. So, yeah. And uh, you were mentioning you had an interview with Bert Newton one day. So uh, he was... Oh, yeah. So... Um, when, uh, for that TV show, when we were doing the uh, media rounds for that and different photo shoots with TV Week and I, I got the opportunity to go on Good Morning Australia with Bert Newton and get interviewed about the TV show. So, so you could assume childhood actor, you're on TV, you're missing school as a grade six and all through a lot of your high school where you're getting to do a number of commercials, a number of things, that life would have been pretty good. But just for everyone today, what was going inside... Um, you at that time of your life? So, yeah, I mean, like, growing up I had, you know, I was given every opportunity by my parents, you know, to do really whatever I wanted. Had a really, really good childhood and, um, yeah, obviously I wanted to get into acting, so that was that was something that um, 
that they gave me the opportunity to do and I was, I was lucky enough to, to, to get a lot of roles and, and, you know, have a lot of roles over a short period of time. And, um, yeah, I guess so. I'd, I'd miss patches of school and that sort of stuff and, and, you know, it was all good. Like, you'd go back to school and everyone would be like, oh, that's, a, you know, everyone's loving you because you're, you're, the, you're the actor, that sort of stuff. But, um, yeah, I guess um, there was a period in my life, like, you know, when I was about 12 or 13, my, my parents split up and, you know, I was still doing a bit of acting and that sort of stuff. And, um, and you know, I guess it was just a way of me acting out, like, of my insecurities and just, you know, my behaviour at school started to sort of waver and I was getting in trouble a lot at school and I guess it was just a way to act out that on the, on the front, like, that was me, you know, all outgoing, like, you know, happy guy doing acting and that sort of stuff. But I was probably, you know, didn't really have a lot of self-worth and, um, yeah, it was deep down pretty insecure about who I was as a person, I guess, so, yeah. And you mentioned that insecurity, uh, so that obviously was was quite uh, significant. And you care a lot about what others thought. You shared a, about that with me. Yep. So, you know, that in, impacted your life as a teenager. And then yeah. what, yep. teenagehood then into young adulthood. How did that impact some of the choices you made and the lifestyle? Um, well, as I said, like, I was, I was insecure about myself, my body image. Um, you know, I cared a lot about what other people thought about me and... So at school, my behaviour started to waver. I'd get into trouble a lot to try and sort of, you know, I'd bully people because I'd want to be the one. Well, you know, I was so worried about what people thought about me that I'd, I'd be the bully so that they can't bully me. I'm the one, you know, not give them the chance to sort of say anything about me. So, yeah, it affected my education in the sense that um, I'd, I was getting kicked out or asked to leave a lot of schools, getting suspended a lot. Um, and... Yeah, so obviously that sense of wanting to to fit in and, and, and please my mates at school like led me to probably making choices in life and in you know, in my late teenage years to early adulthood, making choices that, that you know, I'd been educated as a kid not to make, but um but, you know, I wanted to fit in and that that's what was cool at the time. So yeah. So at about 15, 16, some of those choices that you're making and then obviously yeah. as a young adult, uh, what was sort of the path that, uh, that you started going down? Um, so, you know, 15, 16, started going to parties, friends' parties and it's a lot of drinking and that sort of stuff and, and started to experiment with uh, party drugs and that sort of stuff and it got to the point where I was 18, like I was doing an apprenticeship because I chose to leave school when I was 16 but... Um, I was just over school and it's probably, it wasn't what I really wanted to do, but I was just like, you know, get me out of school. I'll do an apprenticeship, whatever. So um, I did that till I was 18. And, and then, so once I was 18, I got a job in the city working for my uncle and that was awesome. But, you know, like I had a lot more freedom about how I was going about things and sort of started to get into DJing in the city, at clubs in the city. And, you know, the drug scene in that is prevalent and, you know, I thought it was awesome, like, this is a profession I can do where I'm allowed to take drugs and I'm allowed to have fun and drugs is normal, I guess. And, you know, at, at the time, like, it wasn't wasn't an issue. It was just like, you know, I'm having a great time and partying up. But obviously it, it, it led to problems down the track and it, it was a short sort of period that it was like a honeymoon period of a sense in 
in DJing and that sort of stuff to the point where, you know, within a year or so, like, I had a pretty pretty serious drug addiction. And, yeah. So you got a drug addiction in your early 20s? Yep, yep. So what happened next? Um, like, so I got to the point where I was just, you know, I was... I was using using ice every single, pretty much every single day or every second day, whatever it was, smoking weed every single day, and um, and I did, I'd like you know, for the opportunities I had as a young kid growing up through school, being able to choose where I wanted to have my education, that sort of stuff. I got to the age of about twenty one or twenty two, and I I, t- I didn't have any options with really anything, so I wasn't working at the time, and um, and my dad said, well, you know, come come work for me and, and sort of gave me that lifeline to be able to, to have a job. But in the same sense, it wasn't really what I wanted to do. I was just like, well, you know, this is an easy out. I can, I can work and get money for my drug habit. And, um, and it got to the point where, you know, like working for you for a long period of time, like I wasn't, I was unhappy in myself and the, where my life had sort of ended up but I didn't want to let people down as well. And, like, I was very conscious of letting people out. So, like, as much as, you know, I, like, I wasn't very reliable at work and that sort of stuff, he sort of kept giving me work, but I wasn't, like, sort of brave enough to say, you know, like, I'm not happy in this in the first place and, like, for the fear of letting him down, I guess. So, yeah. yeah. So you're in, you're in a bit of a rut, you mentioned. Yeah. Uh, obviously, drug addiction, a real hold of your life. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What, what started to change? And you obviously had a bit of a community as well, if you could share a bit about that community uh, yeah. that you were um, part of. So obviously, like, oh, I mean, the, the, the drug scene in Geelong, it's very small, as much as Geelong is a, you know, a wide community and stretches a far distance. Um, when you're using drugs in Geelong, you sort of, you know everyone, everyone knows everyone from that town, so you have this sense of community where you're like, oh, I've got heaps of friends, I've got, even though they're using and like, you know, they're really my friends and, you know, all these people to hang out with, I'd always have someone to come over and use drugs with me or someone to go hang out that ha- at their house and, and use drugs or or drive around and be off my face on drugs while I was driving around. And um, it seemed like I, you know, I had like a lot to lose as far as friendships go in that sort of sense. It felt very real that that was sort of like where I, where I was meant to be. But in the same sense, I, I knew that like, I knew that when I was, you know, growing up and that, like I envisaged so much more for my life than where, where I was at and that what I'd made in my life and, and my, most of my 20s was just nothing. Like, you know, a blink of an eye and it was, and it was gone. So. so you needed a bit of a circuit breaker. So yeah, you ended yeah. up attending Foundation 61, which many of uh, those in this church may be familiar, but for those who aren't, yep. uh, if you could just uh, talk a little bit about Foundation 61 and how you ended up there. Yeah, so um, I got to the point where, you know, I was being told by people that were close to me that I needed needed to do rehab or needed to try and do something. And, you know, I sort of started to started to agree, agree with them in a sense and... Um, I was looking around for uh, rehabs that I could attend and, and you know, you look at the private rehabs and that sort of stuff, the amount of money that, that it costs to go to rehab and I ended up stumbling across a place on a website called Foundation 61 and f- for those of you who don't know, like, um, I mean, they're a part- partner in mission here but 
It's a drug and alcohol rehab for men in, in Mount Dunedin. And, um, yeah, so the way it sort of works is the staff there are absolutely awesome. Like you go there, you, you stay your six months. That's, that's the, what the program's set to. But, you know, you're, you're expected to do it on your own. Everything is like they walk beside you. They give you so much support and love. But, but they're not going to force anyone who doesn't want to be there or doesn't really... Is, or is wanting to get off drugs for not the right reasons. They're not going to force anyone to do that. They'll give, if you're there for the right reasons and, and you know, you, you want to change your life, they, they'll walk beside you every step of the way and, um, and give you that support. So I think it was the end of 2020 I ended up in there and, um, you know, I'd, I'd tried detoxes here and there in the past and stayed a week and I just thought, you know, this is going to be the same thing. It's going to be... I'll be there a week, I'll break down and I'll say I want to leave and, and I'll be back on the drugs within a week. So um, so I went to Foundation 61 for the first time and and it, it was just such a, like I said, a loving, caring place that, you know, everything was working out for me. Like I probably did well, so well at the start that, you know, I probably got a bit ahead ahead of myself to the point where eight weeks in, like, you know, I was thinking, this is it, like, I've got this, I've, I've done this, I've, I've stumbled across faith, I believe in God now, so I'm a Christian, that's all it means. And, um, yeah, so, you know, you, you, you learn about that early faith sort of stuff. Um, we, it is a Christian-based rehab and it's based on Isaiah 61. Um, but every Monday night, um, two people... Graham and Sharon Tonkin come in and and they're just two people with such Christ-like hearts that it's just like they don't force you to believe anything. They just they just guide you in 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 what you want to do if if you choose to have a faith. So I sort of started to think, well, you know, I still had a lot of questions. I I'd always liked the universe and sort of the questions about where we come from. So I was sort of interested in that probably both both spiritually and I mean um philosophically and scientifically but you know I made the choice well yeah I believe in God and it sort of it ended there and I sort of thought after eight nine weeks you know I'm ready to leave and um everything's going to be all good I'm I'm free from my addiction and whatnot so I left there after nine weeks I moved in with my dad in Werribee and went went back back to work for him um and I'd cut off everyone that I used to associate with in the past and sort of thought, you know, that's, that's the past, I cut them off. So I did well for a few few months after that and then moved into my own place. I sort of thought, you know, I've got to get my own place. I've got to be seen to be doing the right things that, you know, I'm all good now and stuff. And yeah, I moved into my own place. It was in the middle of COVID and stuff. And I moved into back into a job that I probably wasn't happy with in, before I went to Fando in the first first place. And and once again, I didn't want to let anyone down, didn't want to speak up and, you know, I ended up, you know, using again pretty much pretty much every day, but this time by myself, not with not with anyone, just by myself, you know, in a double-storey townhouse, just, yeah, by myself. So. Life was at pretty rock bottom in that stage. Yeah. When we caught up, yeah. you said a comment which I thought was profound. You said, I tried, this is giving up drugs, I tried doing it on my own, but it never worked. Yeah, so that period of time, 
after I went to Foundation 61 the first time, like my drug use was nowhere near as heavy as what it was the first time I went there and and the, I wasn't associating with, with with anyone really, but like the isolation and the sort of depression that I was in was, was 10 times worse than when I went there the first time. Um, I was so lonely and so miserable in myself that, yeah, I just, I... The only thing that I could really feel like I had a place or a home was the, for the eight or nine weeks at Foundation 61. And, you know, I'd said to myself, oh, I've only been using drugs a little bit again. Like, I can, get off, I can get off drugs by myself this time. I'll do it on my own. You know, I'd last a couple of days and then go back to using again. And, and so, yeah, I, I put the feelers out and put in, put in another application to go back to Foundation 61 a second time. So just before that, though, you, you shared a bit around that time where you were in a really challenging spot, yeah. uh, isolated yeah. and cut off. And you talked a little bit about Psalm 13. Yeah, so, I mean, I'd, I'd made the decision to sort of believe in God, but I wouldn't say that I had a relationship with God at, at that point in time. And um, there still was a glimmer of hope and, you know, like starting to read Scripture and that sort of stuff and... You read Psalm 13 and... The yeah, psalm- I think we've got, I think the guys have got. Yeah, so I think the Psalms are really relatable as a person because you can feel that emotion that like it's someone talking to God and the questions that they might have for God might not be really what God is, but it's you can feel that, that realness in it. So um, yeah, Psalm 13, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Um, how long must I wrestle with my thoughts and day after day have sorrow in my heart? How long will my enemy triumph over me? So, yeah, I, I started to really relate to that probably when I was going back to Fando because I felt like, you know, I'd grown up with maybe being told that God's real and, you know, going to Christian schools and experiencing probably not having good experiences with, with Christianity through through school and that sort of stuff. But, I'd made the decision to believe that God's real and I started to question to myself, like, well, if you're real God, like, why, why, like, have you forgotten about me? Like, why have I ended up in this, like, poor situation that I'm in if, like, if you're so great and you do all these good things? Like, why, like, why must I be here in the darkness and, you know, sort of wrestle with my thoughts day to day and... um. Yeah, I sort of, I still had a glimmer of hope that that life would be, could be better for me. Um, and yeah, so I made the the choice to apply to get back into Foundation 61 and give it another crack. And, um, you know, it's not abnormal for people to go back there multiple times and and sometimes go back there with their tail, tail between their legs and, and without hope. But like the care that I'd experienced in those eight weeks that I was there the first time um, gave me so much hope that, like, when I went back there the second time, it was almost like a weight off my sh- shoulders. Like, I, I dropped everything, left my house, left everything as it was and and chose to go back there. And, um, and yeah, like, sort of six months goes on and I made the choice to give my life to God in there. Um, and one step... After another, I've just been blessed since then, really. So, yeah. so about six months ago, you accepted Christ as your 
Saviour. Oh, so a bit longer, a bit than, longer six, than that. So at the start of the six months, so yep. I went back there in um, December of uh, 2021. Fantastic. So, and yep. today you're wanting to get baptised. Yep. Why is that? Um, I mean, like we spoke about this as well, where I sort of said, well, you know, I was unsure about getting baptised. Like I already feel like I'm born again. I already call myself a Christian. But, you know, like you said, is that public symbolism and, you know, the symbol of being able to wash clean all the things that I've done, all the mistakes that I've made in the past and, you know, start afresh. Yeah. A new creation in him. Yeah, yeah. That's powerful, mate. Yeah. So for those who may have a friend or family member that is maybe even now or has uh, in the past suffered with uh, drug addiction and challenges around uh, that, what would some advice to them today be? Um, Look, it's hard coming from someone who has not been in the position of like having someone in that serious addiction, but... One thing I remember, you know, people that are in active addiction, they hurt, they hurt people, they make mistakes that, you know, sometimes aren't forgivable. But one thing I think that has got me to where I am now is, you know, I've always had the love and support of my family. Um, you know, they've, they've never stopped supporting me no matter what bad decisions I made, no matter you know, what I've done to them. And I think for anyone who's got a, a family member in addiction, just just as hard as you can, just keep up that constant support and give them a sense to have hope that, that things will change. Yeah. So good, mate. Absolutely. Done a great job, mate. It's not easy sharing your life. And yeah. uh, I know everyone here... Uh, has been encouraged and, and really impacted by your story, Ray. And Thanks, uh, you know, we, we love we love you here, mate. You, you know, you're often on our team serving on Sunday nights, and uh, you're part of our church uh, family. And we just are so excited that you're getting baptised today. And we're going to do that soon. But you're also part of a men's group, and yeah. uh, we're going to yeah. ask those uh, those guys who are part of uh, Ray's men's group to come forward, and another one of his really close mates who he's been journeying along with as well. And we're just going to uh, lay hands and pray for you, Ray, in your journey, because yeah. as, as we talked about, you, you, uh, you can't do this alone. Is there anything else you wanted to, to say today? Uh, I don't know, not really. Um, yeah, I'm just, you know, blessed. Once again, it's just, you know, where I, like I didn't have much of a community and like I've, I've put the, myself out there to say, all right, I've given myself to God and he's, he's blessed me with community, like, you know, with great mates in a men's group, you know, great people around me, you know, bless me with the opportunity to go back and, and do, do some work and volunteer at Foundation 61 and, and bless me with a, a great church family. So, um, yeah, like all the grace goes to God, really. Yeah, amen. So, amen yeah. to that. So let's, uh, let's pray. Thanks. We love you so much, mate, and we're so blessed. And, um, yeah, I was just reminded as you, as you shared and spoke and even these guys that stand around you. I was wondering even if um, your mum was here and Dave, are they still around? I want to invite them up to stand around you as well. They, that was beautiful what, you know, you, you shared just then. And, yeah, if you, if you know, if you've journeyed with this man, yeah, stand, come up around me. You're more than welcome. Um, I'll, you know, 
it's it's amazing. Like you know, you're here today because of the community that's got around you. I, I was sitting there thinking about your journey, going, man. I just give so much thanks and praise to the work of Foundation 61, to the team there. You know, um, Graham and Sharon. You know, these guys sing your praises for what you continue to sow into them spiritually. And um, I think of guys like that's in my men's life group, like Andrew, that it's part of it and leading there and continually. Um, just being a real example for what it is to come through that program and be a light and and to go forward and so mate um you're you're, you're a blessing you, you, to be a part of this in our life group it, it reinvigorates my faith and I know the guys around it are just blessed you know and we, we're just thankful that we love you know you, you're you're a man that's pursuing God and after God and going deeper in that and you know that 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 impacts us and you know I've seen you know the guys in our life group that helps them go deeper and press in and seek God in their life so keep doing that mate and um, I think of that scripture that I've just been reflecting on this year like uh, in Romans it talks about not to conform to the patterns of this world but be transformed by the renewing of your mind and you're doing that you know what I mean like you're a man that doesn't want to conform to addictive destructive behavior a man that wants to be renewed have his mindset on Christ on his word and continue to do that mate and you'll lead forward and you know that life of sacrifice for Jesus will continue to see that impact and change other people's life for Christ as well so let me pray Father God we love this man we thank you so much for the grace is over, you know, over his life, Lord. This um, a life transformed as he's continued to surrender his life to you. We thank you for them, the family and the friends and the community have gathered around and 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 ministered your love. And um, we just ask, Lord, that you know your voice continues to be the loudest in his life. You know, steering him and guiding him forward, Lord God, and. Um, I love that your word, you know, it talks about, you know, just being drenched in in mercy. And I just pray that your grace and your mercy continues to wash over and drench this man as he walks forward in you, so continues to surrender his life to you. And and as, you, you know, Lord, um, all that, yeah, you want to continue to use this man forward and to do great things. And I just pray that he does. He just knows as he's, you know, as he sees where you've taken him, it's, he just is filled with joy and excitement for the road ahead, Lord. And, um, yeah, we just commit him to you and we thank you in your name. Amen. Amen. Just stay seated, mate. Relax. We've just got a few questions. Oh, okay, we'll stand up. I think it's a good gesture. That'd be great. So a few questions we'll ask you. Do you believe and accept that your life belongs to God? I do. Do you acknowledge the authority of Jesus Christ and his word in the Bible? I do. Are you willing to commit yourself to God and to live according to his plans? I am. And for the times when you have not done so, do you accept the gift of forgiveness that comes through Jesus Christ? I do. Fantastic. Well, let's put the microphones down because we can't take them in.
stand and sing this song.